Hello and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Words of Welcome, the teaching ministry of Welcome Baptist Church, Heathfield. Hello, we're going to continue our series looking at the Sermon on the Mount. And we're in a section where Jesus is teaching us what true righteousness looks like. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Jesus says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So with that in mind, let's pray. Father, I simply ask that you would help us to hear your voice through Jesus, through these words in this sermon. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. So as I said, this is a section in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is teaching us what true righteousness looks like. In chapter five, earlier in his sermon, he'd given this knockout blow to his listeners. He'd said, unless your righteousness exceeds that, surpasses that, is greater than the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You cannot be a part of, of Jesus's movement. You cannot be a follower of Christ unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees. That's a huge thing and must have meant that one or two of them were really scratching their heads. What on earth can that look like? These fellas, they even tithe their herbs. How on earth can we have greater righteousness than that? So here Jesus is unpacking what that righteousness really looks like. He's talked about giving and here he talks about praying. And when you pray, he says, he's going to use a contrast. Much as we've seen already in this sermon, Jesus is contrasted throughout this sermon. You, you have heard it said, but I say to you, a contrast. He's going to do that throughout the sermon. And here he's contrasting again. He's contrasting uh, what it is like and what it shouldn't be like and saying, don't be like. And contrasting that with what it should look like, what we are to be like. So he says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Boom. Now, when we hear this, we understand what a hypocrite is. A hypocrite is Greek uh, already. It's a Greek word that we've just taken into the English language. We understand what it means. A hypocrite is someone who says one thing and 
does another. That's a hypocrite. And of course, it's a big problem in the church. And why do so many people outside the church despise the church is because they say it's full of hypocrites. They talk about purity and they're anything but. They talk about loving people and they're quite frankly, unloving. They tell us not to do things and then they do these things themselves. They're hypocrites. And here Jesus says, don't be a hypocrite. Now, all of that is true, our understanding of hypocrite, but for Jesus, it carried an additional layer of truth. A hypocrite was an actor it wasn't uh, the, the, the negative term that we understand it to be now. That's probably why we haven't translated it into actor. Don't be an actor, because there are some great actors, and actors do some amazingly good and entertaining and heart-lifting things. So what is Jesus talking about when he says, don't be an actor? He's saying, don't be a mask wearer. Don't be a mask wearer when you pray. And really the essence of his teaching here is pray to God. Don't let it look like you're praying to God when really you are praying to the people around you. And we've all seen that if we've been in the church. People who pray sideways prayers. I've come across it in many places. I remember at one previous church, someone there in, the, in their prayers, a very angry person, would always be preaching at people in their prayers. It wasn't praying to God. It was praying at the people around them. That isn't actually what Jesus is talking about here, as we're going to see. But it's in this whole thing of being a hypocrite. Don't pretend you're praying to God when really you're praying for the crowd, when you're praying to be seen. So let's look at what he says. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogue. So that's the first thing he says. They love to stand and pray in the synagogue. What do we think is happening when these folks stand up and pray in the synagogue? Well, they're delighting their audience a bit like an actor would. They're delighting those people around them. People are looking at them and people are moved by them. And the heart of that person is to delight their audience. And Jesus contrasts that with this in verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room. So no audience. And shut the door, double no audience. Just on the off chance someone walks by, we've shut the door, double no audience. <laughs> shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret, or, or in other words, unseen. 
pray to an audience of one. So, so he says, don't be a hypocrite. Don't act, perform for a crowd. Don't do that. Instead, verse six, just you and an audience of one. So, so they stand to be seen. He, he, he goes on and says they, they stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners. I mean, they're not content with doing this in just a, a, a corporate worship setting. They, they take this out into the streets so everybody can see them. And they pray out there that they may be seen by others. That word seen is, is beautiful in Greek. It's the word to shine. It's very similar to our, to our English word phosphorus. Think about phosphorus. You know, shining bright, almost blindingly uh, shining. That's the word here. These, these Pharisees are going out into the streets, into the synagogues, to shine for the audience like an actor. They're doing it for the crowd, doing it on display to be a magnificent sight. And again, Jesus says to them, you're not to be seen. You're not to be like phosphorus burning away. You're not to be a firework, a Catherine wheel, a Roman candle, lighting up the synagogue or lighting up the street corners with your, your beautiful, eloquent prayers. You're to be unseen. So go into your room, unseen. Close the door, double unseen. Pray to one who is unseen although he shines like the, the sun in its noonday strength, he's unseen. Pray to the one who is unseen. Do you see? Jesus is saying a hypocrite prays for the crowd. A hypocrite prays to be seen. You are not to be like that. Other thing that these, these hypocrites do, these people who are praying, is they pray for a reward. They pray for a reward. Look what Jesus says. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Well, well, what is their reward? Well, the audience loved their performance. The audience were in awe at the way these people can pray, at the words they use, the intensity of their emotion, the beauty of their relationship with God. And they nudged one another and say, I love it when he prays. I love it when he prays. And, and, and wives nudge their husbands. Hilda nudges Bert and says, why can't you be more like him? And Bert nudges Hilda and says, why can't you be more like her? When she prays, oh, it's like heaven is opened. Jesus says, that's their reward. That's their reward. People want to emulate them. People want to be like them. People want to invite them to their prayer events. People want them to come to their synagogue, that they can hear them pray. 
People want to see them on their street corners, praying as no one else prays. That's their reward. That's what they get. And that's all they get. So verse six, but when you pray, don't be a hypocrite, be a child. Come as a child to the Father. When you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, unseen. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. The reward of God is incredible. It's a father child relationship. What could be better? What could be better than the creator of the entire universe, the cosmos, the one who threw the stars into space? What could be better than his love, his relationship? But it's even better than that. Because the reward of God when we pray is that God hears and God answers. So we have, because of Jesus, an invitation into the very throne room of God. Reward number one. We have this relationship with almighty God. Reward number two. He hears reward number three. He answers reward number four. There are probably hundreds of others. It's incredible. Now, now maybe you're thinking as, I, as I'm preaching, you're, you're probably, probably thinking to yourself, but God doesn't always answer my prayers. There are prayers that I have prayed that God hasn't answered. I want to tell you that God always answers prayer like this. Always. It may not be the answer we want, though. God answers prayers. Yes, no, later. Yes, no, wait. Yes, no, wait. And sometimes we go to him and God says, yes, straight away. I have been waiting for you to say this. Yes, yes, yes. Sometimes God answers no. And we call that because of our brokenness, unanswered prayer. It's not unanswered. It's just not been answered in the way that we want it to be. Why would God not answer our prayers? Well, frankly, because we often ask for wrong things. For starters, we're asking for snakes, thinking that they're bread. You remember Jesus said, you know, which of your fathers, if your child asks for a loaf of bread, would give him a snake? He said, no good father would do that. I'm not going to do that. And sometimes because we're broken, we think we're asking for bread and we're actually asking for a snake. Billy Graham's wife, Ruth, she had said on many occasions, she had asked God for a particular man as her husband. 
And each time, nothing came of it. And she was so frustrated until she met Billy Graham. And then she was so pleased that God had said no to man A, to man B, to man C. I've no idea how many she prayed for. But she was so grateful for those prayers. So sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers because it's not good for us or it's not good for the world around us. So so Jesus prayed. Jesus had a no in his prayers. If anyone knew how to pray, it's Jesus. And he had a no in his prayers. Father, take this cup from me. That was his prayer. Abba, Daddy, if there is another way, Take this cup from me. The cup is the cup of God's righteous anger. Take it from me. Sweat, blood. Take this from me. That was a faith-filled, earnest, secret prayer. Take this cup from me. God says no. Not my will be done, but yours, Jesus says. No. Sometimes God says no, either because it's not good for us or it's not good for the world around us. Sometimes God says, wait. And so we we don't know how long we're going to be waiting. And so that can appear like an unanswered prayer. I I came across this a few years ago, and you've heard me say it many times. God never forgets a single prayer you have ever prayed. I love that. We may forget, but God doesn't. In fact, things are happening right now as a result of things you prayed a long time ago. Maybe even prayers that were prayed for you before you were born. Jesus prayed for us about 2,000 years before any of us were born. And he prayed for us in that upper room on the night before he was betrayed. You've had grandparents and parents who have prayed earnestly for you. Things are happening today as a result of prayers prayed long ago. You may have forgotten them, but God has not. This is uh, my favorite preacher, Spurgeon. He says this, ah, my hearer, you have never had a desire towards God which does not excite God's hope. Isn't that a beautiful thing? You've never prayed a prayer that did not excite God's hope. Even when it was for things that were were rubbish, it excited God. And that actually answers the question, why if God knows 
what I need before I ask him. Why do I even bother? Well, because God wants us to. God desires it. God enjoys your prayers, just like I enjoy any time my boys want to talk to me. God loves it when we pray. Anyway, back to Spurgeon. Ah, my hearers, you have never had a desire towards God which does not excite God's hope. You have never breathed a prayer toward heaven which he does not notice. And though you have very often uttered prayers which have seemed like the morning fog or the early dew which soon passes away, yet all these things have moved almighty God's emotions. For he has been listening to your cry and noticing the breathing of your soul. Isn't that a beautiful way to describe prayer as the breathing of our souls? And though it has passed away, Though that prayer has gone a bit like the the morning fog or, or the early morning dew, though it is passed away, it did not pass away unnoticed, for he remembers it even now. So you may be in a in a period of it seeming like God is unanswering. But God is perhaps saying no. And God is perhaps saying, wait. Or God may be saying, I'm changing you. I'm changing you. I'm not changing the world in the way you want it to be. I'm not shaping the world in the image that you have. But I'm changing you. You know, we, we can pray with all the faith in the world, a faith that perhaps could move mountains for a particular thing. But if God is saying, no, it's a snake, it's never gonna be happening. And God may be saying, I need to work on this person, that their their will, their desires align more and more with mine. That could be what's happening when we pray. But Jesus promises it. When we go in secret, when we pray to an audience of one, when our heart is for him, towards him, he rewards relationship, presence, and answer. It's incredible. He does another contrast in verses seven and eight. And this is a bit more simple to, to, to preach on. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, those who weren't Jews. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. So Jesus says you, you don't need to be like a Gentile either who, who has vain repetition, who just keeps going, that they think somehow they can force God's arm, twist his arm into acting for them. I I often think of the the illustration from the Old Testament of of, uh, the prophets of Baal 
trying to, trying to get their God to answer their prayers. They kept going for a whole day. They cut themselves. They were saying, we're so earnest, and, and they're cutting themselves. And Elijah is like, well, maybe he's asleep. Maybe he's on the loo. Maybe he's got another commitment and he can't listen. You know, that's how the pagans, that's how the Gentiles pray. They have their, their repetitions. They have their many words. They have their empty formula. God says, don't be like that. Jesus says, don't be like that. You're not heard because of your many words. You're heard because you have a father who loves you. Look, look what he says, verse 8. Don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Knows what you need. He knows if you need a yes. He knows if you need a no. And he knows if you need a not yet. It's amazing. So, so what about us? Well, when we pray like this, when we pray in secret, when we pray to an audience of one, when we do that, God hears. God hears more than we say. This is Nicky Gumbel. God hears more than we say, answers more than we ask, and gives more than we can imagine. All in his own way and in his own time. Wow. Amen. Thank you for listening to Words of Welcome. For new episodes and more, please visit welcomebaptistchurch.uk.